1: Hello everyone, welcome to New Books Network. I'm Jadim Sulongkomer, the host of this channel, and today I'm here with Dr. Jamie Barnes to talk about his book, Stories, Senses, and the Charismatic Relation: A Reflexive Ethnography of Christian Experience. Now, I think since I also come from anthropology background and my PhD work is in anthropology of religion, uh, the book itself was very attractive to me. And when I um, went through the book, I think it was something which was very, the kind of discussion that was going through in the book was very different from the normal discussion that I found out in the anthropology of religion circle. So it really uh, got my attention and attracted me. So I believe that today uh, we'll have a full discussion uh, regarding this book with the author himself. So first of all, let me straight away go to the author himself. So um, Dr. Jamie Barnes, tell us something about yourself.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, it's always said, well. First of all, thank you, thank you for for inviting me for this conversation. Um, it's really nice to to be able to chat about uh, you know your work and, and something that 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 you've invested quite a lot of time in. So so thank you for that, dear. Um, so it's always difficult, isn't it, when someone gives a, a totally open question to say you know, <laughs> tell us something about yourself? So it's kind of well, which bits do you want to know? Um, I mean, I I think it's in a broad kind of sweep. Um, I um, yeah I grew up in, uh, in in the west of England uh, in the Cotswolds area, quite a rural kind of area of the Cotswolds. Um, my my dad is a teacher. My my mum has done various jobs throughout her life, but but probably kind of most significant to the themes that we'll end up talking about today. Um, is uh the fact that uh, my mum uh is a devout catholic and and brought me and my sisters up uh as uh, catholic christians um and so um faith was always a big a big kind of part of of, of my childhood um and you know thoughts about um things beyond the material uh, let's put it put it that way um, and so that was a big kind of influence on me, um, yeah. Growing up uh, as a child, um, you know, I was regularly you know, going to to Catholic church. My mom was taking me and my sisters along uh, to church every week, and um, you know, kind of soaking up, I suppose, the the rituals, but also the stories of of of, of the Bible through through that means. Um, I think in my late sort of teens, mid kind of teens, I drifted away from 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 faith, religion, from Catholicism, um, and that uh, that path, I suppose, continued into uh, when I went to university to study uh, social anthropology as an undergraduate, um, and um, and certainly in in the first couple of years of of, of studying uh social anthropology um, yeah faith religion was really you know not not kind of important to me in any in any sense really um, but then in the final year of studying social anthropology um, I had what would probably just be described as quite a, a powerful or significant kind of conversion experience Um Which was very personally kind of significant to me and something which i explore in depth in in the book in the first chapter of the book um and through that i guess that my life was reorientated to a large degree um a lot of my friends were who were finishing university at that time were you know seeking careers in fairly kind of conventional sort of areas of work um But I knew that that path was really not one which I wanted to to pursue, Um, partly as a result of what had happened in terms of that kind of conversion experience. Um, And so I returned to where I'd grown up. I lived there for a couple of years. I joined a local church community there. And then a couple of years after that, I um, got invited by some people who were working in the Southern Balkans, Um, with church groups down there to to travel with them uh, down to Greece and um, former Yugoslav Macedonia. And that was the beginning of a process, really, by which I began to think about the possibility of moving overseas outside of England. Um, The person that I traveled with um, was definitely talking about a move themselves to that area of the world, and and shortly after that, they they initiated a move of a, of a, a group of us moving down to the southern Balkans. So I moved to uh, Greece, northern Greece in 1998, and essentially uh, we formed what I describe in the book as a as a, a, a spiritual a Christian spiritual community. Um, just outside Thessaloniki, in a town just outside Thessaloniki in northern Greece. And um, and I was be- based there essentially for the best part of 14 years. Um, the latter part of that, I was also involved in um, anthropological research, in field work. Um, and I did return uh, with Rachel, my wife, and, and our young son as well, did return to the UK in 2009 to complete a master's in sort of preparation for doing that PhD work. And um, But essentially what we were doing in the Balkans was um, we were seeking to live as community, as a Christian spiritual community, um, and to engage with other groups across the Southern Balkans. So we traveled quite a bit, both within Greece, but then also uh, to Albania, um, yeah, former Yugoslav, Macedonia, Bulgaria, uh, and connecting with other generally fairly small church groups that had some kind of orientation of faith which was similar to to our own. Um, so, um, so this is in a sense, partly what I explore in the book. I, I, I returned. So in, in 2008, uh, essentially I'd been married, uh, four years. Then we just had our, our small son and, uh, Rachel, my wife and I began to talk about what, you know, we were talking about what the future held for us. And, and we knew that in a sense that, that we didn't, we didn't see our future long-term in Greece. So we were looking for other possibilities. Um, and at that time I began to explore, um, the possibility of doing a phd of coming uh, of kind of coming back into academia in one sense it was, it was not a journey which i necessarily thought that i would make um having uh, kind of you know completed my undergraduate degree many years before and and kind of moved away from the whole kind of academic world but back in 2008 i began to kind of consider that journey back into academia again uh, i was interested in writing i had a number of core interests which had kind of emerged in the time that i'd been in the balkans and uh and through a series of steps i fi- found my way back into social anthropology again so so really through kind of exploring what my phd might be based in i was originally considering you know potentially kind of historical kind of studies and things like that but really found that my core interests were um social anthropological and and, and ones which could be explored through anthropology and its methods. Um, So I returned, we returned to the UK in 2009 and I did a master's at the University of Sussex. Um, And then shortly after that, well, as a result of that and in the early stages of the PhD, uh, yeah, Rachel and our son and myself, we moved back down to the Balkans again and had uh, 18 months of fieldwork down there. in a sense, auto-ethnographically exploring the community that I had been part of for many years, um, but also the ways in which we were kind of building relationships with um, other church groups and people who are outside of our streams of
1: faith altogether.
0: So I don't know if that gives you a good background, but I, I hope it does.
1: Yes, that's uh, really good. Actually, I mean, the book itself gives a lot of your uh, personal journey in that sense and talks a lot about your um, people who are close to you. And interestingly, um, as I read the book, I think the book, in a sense, I mean, when I read the word Christianity and all, I thought it will be around the very bubble or the corner of anthropology of Christianity writings, and you will use those theoretical frameworks and all of those things. But interestingly, uh, the book also kind of looks... I mean, so much of anthropological materials are there, but then also at the same time, it kind of reads like something which a Christian might have written, but also at the same time, you know, so much of uh, personal experiences and, um, and uh, you know, the journey that has been turned out in the book, the aspect of that itself makes the book very different in that sense. So I wanted to ask, you know, how do you come about writing this book? I mean, what, what what's the journey and the idea behind this book? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's a yeah, that's a, a, a very good uh, question. In one sense, I mean, when I originally, uh, so so the book itself is, is is based. I mean, it's largely an adaptation of my doctoral thesis. So so the the doctoral thesis that um, that I was researching uh, for, you know, in that eighteen months of fieldwork, as well as sort of bringing in all of these other experiences as well. Um, and um, yeah, originally I was reluctant to. Make the focus of that research so explicitly personal and so explicitly, you know, autoethnographic or, or on my own experience. But I think through talking to my supervisors in the early stages of the research, I realized that there was a kind of opportunity here um, that in a sense, I'd done some social anthropology as an undergraduate, I kind of understood a little bit of what social anthropology was about. Um, And then I'd sort of, in one way, immersed myself in 14 years of fieldwork, if we can frame it in that kind of way, (laughs) you know, not explicitly and not with that aim in mind. But I realised that I had a lot of experience of a particular world and a particular way of practicing faith um, that could be valuable to use in the research itself. And, and originally, I was reluctant, and I was kind of focusing on other, you know, other topics, other things that I might study. But I, I, I kind of realised that there was this kind of golden opportunity to. Um, to use that experience and to use those those 14 years and to reflect back on it as well and, and to kind of use the PhD journey to explore some of my core interests um, and to reflect back on the experience of the last 14 years as well. Um, so then, of course, the challenge in terms of, you, of your question, like how do you then come to write about it? Then, of course, the challenge is how you bring that personal experience and those experiences which you've had over a long period of time the the majority of which or some of which fall well outside of any recognized fieldwork. so how do you bring those experiences in and that they are recognized as legitimate like legitimate evidence or legitimate sources of of kind of knowledge um uh, how do you bring bring that in, that, that kind of auto-ethnographic experience? Um, and that was quite a challenge for me, especially in the early stages of writing writing uh, up the, the thesis um, and of becoming familiar with the kinds of debates that were running within anthropology um, and trying to find frameworks or uh, streams of, of, of ways of thinking concepts ideas which were useful in unpacking that experience and allowing me to remain true to that experience as well so so of actually the the, the frameworks that i was choosing weren't distorting the experience too much um and uh, you know of of you know, feeling in a sense a pressure to, to frame you know the the research within certain um, you know debates which were say for instance popular within streams like the anthropology of christianity but but not always finding that those frameworks were really the most useful ones for for reflecting the things that I wanted to explore and the things that I wanted to, and and remaining true to my own experience and the experience of of others that I wanted to explore in in, in the book.
1: Yes, and I think those aspects of makes this book unique and interesting in that sense. All right. And so in your introduction, you wrestle with this aspect. You know, um, as an anthropologist, when I study Christians, because I'm working on Christianity and animism among the Northeast part of India and one state called Nagaland, which I belong to, and people used to ask me the question, right, whether do you really believe that the experience that those Christians have are really true in that sense? You know, people used to ask me those questions. And I think as an anthropologist, the aspect of methodological atheism has been followed long before, but then now the kind of uh, shift has been changing now, this ontological turn and then the anthropology of Christianity has come about where they look at the phenomenological aspect of the experience of God. And also when we look at a work by Dr. Jack Hunter, he talks about spirits and all of those aspects and also kind of like the interesting... uh, shift and the discussions are happening. So uh, what do you have to say on all of this uh, development and the understanding that has been coming up in the anthropology and trying to understand the very experiential aspect of these religious communities?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm positioned within that and and, and that resonates very strongly with, with with my approach, as you know. Um, yeah, To to... Yeah, to, to explore these phenomenological experiences and, and to take them seriously. And, and you know, there's no reason why anthropologists can't do that. I think anthropologists are well set up to, to do that. Um, and, and at the heart of, of anthropology, or certainly the way that I, I see it, is this kind of um, fascinated engagement with other worlds, with alterity, with, with difference. Um, and, and of seeking to... Understand the other in all of their richness, which includes phenomenological experience, in, includes bodied, uh, bodied experience, um, and, and I think for me that's one of the, the the core themes that, in a sense, I was kind of interested in in exploring um, in the thesis and in the, in the book was, you know, this question of how how worlds become real to people, you know, how how you know we every one of us lives with a sense of reality, a sense of, you know, to get on in the world, to navigate the world. We're all living, you know, with a knowledge of what exists and how those things relate, which is a kind of like the way that I sort of understand uh, this this notion of ontology. Um, and, and for me... It, it, it fascinated me to explore, it's fascinated me to explore, you know, how those worlds become real, not just, you know, looking at people with specific, you know, religious, you know, what we might categorize as kind of religious outlooks, but, but any one of us in one sense, you know, how do we, how does the world become real to us? Um, and, and then, you know, in that reality, you know, how are we navigating our way, um, through it? Um, and I think that was, the, in a sense, the kind of core core question which I, I wanted to explore um, in this book, particularly focused on the community that I've been part of, and and myself, and you know, people of a of a similar kind of orientation of faith. Is is what are the significant kind of factors? What are the ingredients which has made um, which has made reality reality to us in 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 a sense. Um, and so certainly within that broader kind of uh, you know movement that you that you mentioned there um, yeah I think it it's it's fascinating that there's there's many people who are yeah kind of getting into this more phenomenological um, sort of yeah extreme or way of thinking or, or of considering yeah experience and, and that and that fascinates me as well yeah um, that's
1: really true and I'm more often uh, more fascinated by works like yours, yours and people working on this area and I, I got clean from all of these works and you know so, um, uh, develop or, or even my own understanding and then apply it in my context and you know to see if if there might be certain ways which i can develop it further and all of those things so this uh, aspects are and is very interesting to me in that sense so yeah so moving into the contents of the book. Now, the book so much explores on the um, sensation, feelings, hearing, the spirit, and all of those things. But in, in chapter one, you explore one of the aspects that you explore is about the heart. Now, this, the word, word itself, the heart itself is something which was, when I read it, was very fascinating to me because me, I also come from a Christian background and we talk so much about heart but then, you know, that didn't, thing didn't really click into me when I was really doing my studies and all and, you know, but uh, when you book brought about this aspect of heart, that kind of like click into me and you describe three aspects of heart where uh, you talk about the perception, devotion and the conception aspects of heart. So, how does this aspect of heart come into this picture and how, how, how do you differentiate these three aspects in trying to understand the communities here, the religious communities that you're talking about
0: yeah yeah great that's a really good good question um, yeah so so i think that um, I, I, I think that what i'm trying to get at with with using the notion of heart which of course is an indigenous kind of category as as you say in in many many different um christian context there is you know the heart is referenced it's referenced as a really central fundamental kind of important aspect of um of one's experience and and of the the living body as it were Um, and i think what i wanted to kind of dig into with that was um was was you know what? What is it? What is this notion kind of pointing towards? In a sense, like, you know, when we're looking at Christian lives and, and Christian experience, are we actually um, dealing with a different kind of body, a different kind of lived experience, experiential kind of kind of body that's shaped in a different kind of way? Um, and and i think i've come to the conclusion that we we probably are you know in a sense and that's not to say that that body doesn't resonate with lots of other other bodies that that are that are also shaped in that kind of way but um but the way that i've understood the notion of the heart as you as again as you'll you'll pick up from other kind of things i explore in the book is um is that really in a sense the the heart is sort of You know, I'm a great believer in the way that words work metaphorically. So, so, you know, when we're talking about the heart, certainly in terms of Christian experience or spiritual kind of experience, we're not really signaling a literal kind of, um, you know, certainly not the literal organ in any sense, but we are signaling something very, very central within our living experiential kind of body, um, which orientates us in the world. So both in in terms of, of those three different things. I think you said like perception, conception, and devotion, you know, those those are the kind of three three aspects I think that I that I that I kind of peeled out from that. Um and that actually, you know, w- one of the things that I think that a consideration of the heart does is it it moves us away from focusing you know purely on a kind of brain centered or or intellectually centered sort of notion of 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 the human person and i think as a as a as a christian as a practicing, practicing christian you kind of like you know you're aware of, of of moving within those spheres where actually you know you're um sensorially kind of alert or open to certain things which can't necessarily be fixed in a kind of like you know mental kind of way um but other ways in which you might apprehend the sensations of the body and of of experience um yeah so 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 i think yeah that that's yeah, I, th- I think those are some of the ways perhaps that I, that, that I kind of, you know, was interested in exploring, you know, what, what the heart is as, as kind of experiential center or core of the human person.
1: Yeah, and you also discuss about the aspect of faith. And, you know, some time ago I was reading this book and then the author was talking about faith. Um, I think the author was also an anthropologist. And he was talking about his faith, and you know, faith in Jesus, and what does it mean, and all of those things. And he was uh, he was talking about in terms of how you know the the aspect of commitment and the loyalty to Jesus Christ in terms of the aspect of faith. And you know? also, now again, here you bring into a different a uh, concept of charisma here in terms of trying to understand this faith. So, how does faith uh, relate to this charisma in the sense, um, uh, and how do you kind of you know juggle with this aspect?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe to to answer this, and this will sort of help kind of, you know, maybe feed into a bit into the, what you were asking before as well is, is that, it, I mean, if I can just come back to, to the central kind of interest I, I, I was exploring in the book is this, you know, how do, how do worlds become real to to, to people? Like how, how does reality become real to us? And what I unpack in the first chapter, through this kind of excavation of my own experience, auto-ethnographic kind of ex- ex- excavation of my own experience, is that I focus on these um, three different aspects, which in a sense became the framework for, for the book, for for expo- exploring not just my own experience, but other other people's experiences as well. And, and those are the aspects of of, of stories Senses and and the charismatic devotion, like you've you've just mentioned there, um, and in terms of what we were just talking about, how these things are kind of wrapped up with uh, this idea of you know what's expressed as the heart or the core of the uh, of the person, you know the, this kind of central um, locus, this central part of of, of the human person, um, and and I think what I realized in 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 exploring my own experience is that all of these factors were really really Im- important. Um, you know, stories in the sense that um, you know the stories that I I grown up with uh, about you know with, that I'd experienced um, through my Catholic upbringing in terms of the kind of gospel stories, the stories about the existence of God and and, and so on and so forth. Um, but also the kind of stories that we tell ourselves in order to make sense of the world, and in order to make sense of, of, of reality and, and, and what is real. Um, the senses, which is as we've been mentioning, you know, the kind of sensory, the sensory body, the ex- important of importance of sensory experience in terms of uh, you know giving us a sense of reality and and of of, uh, of sensing the world and of reality in a in a particular way. And then this third factor, which, you, which you've mentioned, of charismatic devotion, that in a, is, in a sense, what one is orientated towards. Um, and, and, and in the book, I talk about that orientation being towards a kind of vital source of life, which is, again, kind of drawing on that Weberian uh, sort of tradition of writing about charisma and charismatic authority, and looking at different charismatic communities. That in a sense there is this kind of um, uh, draw towards um, something precious, something that will give you life. If we if we understand that in a kind of broad and, and sense sense, without kind of trying to narrow it down, um, and and so what I kind of explore and what I kind of argue is that this um, charismatic devotion, you know, this, this kind of drawing to this vital source of life uh, is, re- is really central, of course, to, to, to Christian faith and to the kind of faith that, that, that myself and others kind of practice. Um, and that that in a sense, this notion of charisma, which, which is rooted, you know, or kind of explored and expanded within the social sciences and within sociology and anthropology through that kind of stream of thought, tracing back to Max Weber, um, is actually very, very similar to notions of faith as are, you know, developed in other contexts as well. So I might mention Harvey Cox and and um, uh, James Fowler, uh, stages of faith, uh, you know, kind of work that, that, that he did. Um, which again, kind of understand faith as a sort of relational, uh, in a relational kind of way that, that one's, one trusts in something or someone, that, that one gives one's heart or one's life to someone or something in a particular way. Um, and so what I kind of do is I kind of, you know, work with these two different frameworks, you know, one taken from the social sciences in terms of charisma, charismatic authority, you know, how... You know what we might pick up from that in terms of it's a f- kind of freely given devotion it's a it's a relationship of trust and, and all of those kind of things as well as thinking about the ways in which you know charisma is often worked out at a very kind of guts emotional sort of level you know charismatic communities and things are, are, are often you know non-rational irrational in in the ways that those relations are kind of formed um, and I I interweave that with a sort of discussion about uh, faith and how those things are kind of signaling the same the, the, the same you know the same kind of experience the same kind of phenomenon in in one way.
1: Yes, that aspect is uh, quite really interesting. In the, in the first chapter, you explore the aspect of heart and faith and all. Now you move on to the aspect of community and the aspect of openness. Now, obviously, an individual have to express its faith and also at the same time. Form is faith in a community, and also you bring about this, um, you know, concept of openness. Now, in anthropology of uh, Christianity, people have talked about materializing the Bible, how the material aspect of the Bible gives this very sense of, you know, belonging in that sense. And now here you talk about the biblical narratives in that sense through your obviously your personal stories that you have had, and you bring about the big biblical narratives and all. So, how does these narratives in community and then the concept of openness work out in this chapter? Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. So, th- so this is the second chapter where I, yeah, I, I move away from such an explicit focus on my own experience and, and begin to look at, particularly at the lives of, of, of the leaders, uh, people who initiated our spiritual community. So Dave and Lynn uh, Webb um, and uh, and kind of, yeah, begin to kind of move in how, in a sense, this, yeah, this sort of individual journey, which I've been tracking through the first chapter um is then uh, worked out and integrated in in community and the importance of community, um, and so um, and so, yeah. So I do that through exploring uh, Dave and Lynn's uh, kind of life stories, the kind of values that they that they carry and what they brought into um, our community in Greece, in terms of um, you know quite a strong notion that one's life is not entirely one's own you know that, that actually our lives are um are tangled up with one another but we're also to be to be shared um so so the image the the overarching image that i work with in the in the second chapter that expresses um this kind of idea that that, that dave and lynn um, certainly lived with at that time and, and and no doubt continue to live with as well is uh, is this kind of metaphor of the open circle um and and I, I use that on a number of different levels. On the on the one hand, to explore how um, their notion of 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 kind of community is, you know, maybe understood as a kind of open open circle. It's a it's a circle in the sense that it's connected to others in that circle and life is shared together on, on many different levels. And our, our life in Greece was shared on many many different levels in terms of um Yeah, sharing sharing uh, meals together, sharing resources, sharing, um, you know, emotionally supporting one another and spiritually supporting one another and all of those uh, kind of aspects. but it's not a closed circle; it's an open circle, that in a sense is is um, is open to the intrusions of others. Okay, and 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 in chapter two, I kind of explore the sort of da- dangers of community as well um, that are da- the the dangers of becoming um, you know too bounded, too isolated as, as a community, um, putting up walls of defensiveness in 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 one kind of way. Um, And so this open circle seemed to capture, this notion of the open circle seemed to capture quite well that sense of community that Dave and Lynn sort of brought into our experience of creating community uh, in in Greece. Um, And then there's the other aspects of the open circle, which is the kind of ways in which I mean, okay. So Dave used to have this this expression, which was kind of a, a, a criticism of a particular way of living life. In a sense that that we can live. Um, uh, you know, very parallel lives with other people, so you can kind of be alongside someone, but your life doesn't really connect or it, it intrude or, or, or into that other person's life, and you don't let them intrude into your life. So you end up, you're still living quite individual sort of lives, um, even though you may be together with somebody, and and in a sense, we always, um, as a community, sort to kind of overcome that and to be open to intruding into one another's lives. So, you know, if somebody. Um, you know, both in terms of helping each other, but it also in terms of, of challenging each other, you know, in terms of, you know, practices, ways of behaving, ways of thinking about things which weren't necessarily um, helpful to other people in the community and, and those kind of things. So there was that kind of sense of being an open circle whereby you are open to the intrusions of others into, into your life. And then the last level that I kind of deal with um, in terms of this kind of metaphor of the open circle um, is of looking at how and this again you know I mean all these different levels deal with the heart in one sense but this is perhaps most explicit is the way in which certainly Dave and Lynn's faith is orientated as an open circle towards the divine Uh, and, and, and in the same way that one is open to the intrusions of others you know other human beings into one's life so one has an orientation where one is open to the intrusions of God, that God can reorientate you um, at any point um, in terms of you know the kind of journey that you're on, and, and and that one should live with that that kind of openness um, to to that kind of intru- intrusiveness. I, I, I talk about the invited intruder in the uh, in the book. This kind of notion of um, of you know not somebody intruding intruding by kind of coerciveness or force but and this is where we kind of come back to the charismatic relation again it's a kind of freely free freely given openness to the intrusion of of god into into one's life um yeah so together i kind of like i use those notions to explore how that creates a particular type of uh of community with a particular shape and a particular flavor to
1: it the aspect of um, openness also was really quite intriguing to me because here in India, we have a Christian organization, student Christian organization called the Union of Evangelical Students of India. And I was also in some part of my life doing my in my undergraduate and postgraduate, I was also part of the, that ministry. Yeah. They, they were so much emphasizing on uh, being open, open open doors, open homes and all of those aspects, right? And we were so much emphasized on that, that aspect where, you know, this openness kind of creates relationship and all of those aspects. And quite interesting. And that is where when I read your next chapter, where you again move into and, you know, delve into this very aspect of openness, of open hearts, homes, and open doors. And, you know, you relate it to the journey of a human person as, uh, you know, a different journey that human persons take uh, in terms of, you know, Perceiving essence and stories and all. I think the chapter, chapter three, was also in a sense uh, quite uh, intriguing to me when you talk about home as a way of life and all, all, all of those aspects. So, can you elaborate more on this chapter on this aspect of openness and when you when you relate it to the journey of a human person and then you know talk about this uh, very transitioning as a rite of passage.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So I mean, just to, to, to uh, that's interesting about your experience here as well. And, and and you know, of course, that, that, you know, these, these kind of notions of openness of community of living in community, I mean, of course, they, they, they hark back to the kind of template of um, you know, first-century Christianity, and you know, to the kinds of stories, and again, you know, this is where you know stories become kind of central to my interest as well. Really, um, you know, the stories of the the early church and the ways in which, um, yeah, that 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 was formed as as very much a kind of like you know open community in in the different ways in which we've we've been we've been talking about, um, yeah, open homes and open, and and of course, you know, when when we moved to uh, to Greece, we 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 had a kind of opportunity to move away, in a, in a sense, from our traditional backgrounds of the ways in which we'd expressed faith and church and all of those things, um, to kind of experiment with new new ways of, of doing faith and doing life, and um, and we did use the template of you know the gospels and the the, the book of acts and the early church. You know, it's quite significant in shaping the ways in which we we were would doing that that you know doing church and and uh, of living with you know open open homes and open hearts and open lives and all of those kind of things. Um, I mean, just to to come back to the the, the third chapter, essentially, the third chapter um, tries to start by giving a little flavour of how our life in the Balkans sort of. Um, you know, developed and the relationships that we formed with people locally. I talk about um, a particularly, um, yeah, significant relationship with me with uh, with a local uh, Georgian community and and, and certain people w- within that. Um, and then I move from there to. Uh, as you've mentioned, to exploring the life of a particular person, um, so whose name is David Carter, who is an English man who came down to join us as part of the community in Greece, and and, and one of the reasons I wanted to explore um, David's life in depth is that I thought it illustrated uh, very well the kind of um, you know, what happens, what, in a sense, what we, what we as a community meant by kind of openness, like, you know, I think David's life kind of, um, you know, was a good kind of illustration of that. And then the kind of journey that that takes someone on and, and and for David, what, what essentially happened is that um, he came down to join us in, in Greece and, um, and he, was challenged at quite a kind of core level, at a heart kind of level, about the way he was practicing his life, about his kind of orientation, you know, in terms of the orientations of his heart, you know. Um, and and what I explore in that chapter is the process by which he... he Reaches this threshold. You mentioned the the rites of passage there, which I use that kind of framework, Victor Turner, Van Gennep kind of framework to to explore David's journey, because because he reaches a kind of threshold where he's making a decision as to whether to come and join us more long term down in Greece or whether to go back to the way of life that he's been living in, in, in England. And he kind of knows in his heart that he really wants to kind of step out and, and, and do something different and explore you know a different kind of life, which has this kind of notion of, uh, again, I talk in the book about this kind of notion of an adventure of faith, you know, um, And yet he's held back in quite a deep kind of ingrained bodily way by, you know, these fears and, you know, his familiarity with a particular way of structuring life. Um, And I thought that this was a very, very interesting sort of moment to explore together with him and to use it as a kind of point of analysis um, to see, you know, what happens when a person allows those kinds of intrusions which I was talking about before into their life so so the ways in which we dave and myself and others in the community were kind of intruding you know into into david's life and kind of saying well you know how about doing this how about considering things this way or 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 you know why don't why don't you come and join us and unaware to us those were actually huge kind of challenges to David to uproot himself and to move away from a particular way of, of doing life back in England, um, which he ended up wrestling with in a, in a very kind of profound kind of sense. Um, And so uh, the long and the short of it is that he did decide to, to, to move down um, to Greece with us. Um, And and that entailed a kind of rite of passage, a kind of you know a, a change in his orientation um, at quite a deep level again, um, and changes in the way in the way that he perceived essentially his relationship with with God. So, what I look at in chapter three is the ways in which. Um, previous to this moment, David's relationship with God might be described as kind of quite external in some sense. So he sort of has this kind of image of the divine as being um, kind of somewhat distant and desiring him to walk along this particular path in life with certain kind of morals and certain kind of ways of doing things. And he goes through this transition where the sense of God that he's living with changes to becoming something much more internal, something much more um, exploratory, something much more dialogical uh, in terms of uh, his kind of interaction with the divine. Um, And I, I thought that was an interesting moment to explore because it kind of helped me to Kind of show to to a reader, you know what our um, notion of openness sort of meant in one sense for one particular person, and again it doesn't encompass all of those different things, but it, it sort of gave an ethnographic example in one sense, which was quite useful.
1: As you have uh, mentioned, the aspect of openness in an individual life and. That aspect has really been brought out nicely by you, actually. Moving on to the next chapter, I think th- this next chapter also you interestingly delves into the idea of discipleship and the charismatic dilemma, right? And, I mean, coming to the same point uh, with the ministry that I was, I was involved in, you know, discipleship was always seen as uh, something where you have a mentor, actually. So, uh, in that ministry that we have, you, every individual who wants to be disabled should, uh, is, you know, Recommended to have a mentor in that sense, and then you learn from that mentor, from the feet of that mentor, and and uh, as you explore in that book, also not so it, it was not so much about you know listening to the sermons and you know doing intellectual work, but then it's uh, much to do with the you know orientation of the heart, and then you know certain wrong things in a person was always attributed to the you know lack of mentorship in that person, that you know that he or she is taking decisions rashly or doing this and that all, all of this aspect, and I think. That is where, coming to the next chapter, you also talk about this uh, discipleship. But again, you talk about a uh, concept of, of a charismatic dilemma. So, what what is the thing that is there going on in this chapter about this charismatic dilemma and its relation to discipleship?
0: Yeah sure sure. Um yeah so so chapter 4 essentially um is is located it, it describes um well part of the fieldwork the 18 months fieldwork uh, that that I did um was based in the north of Albania in a town called Škoda. Um and we as a community or certainly Dave and Lynn and myself and Rachel uh my wife we 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 found ourselves in the north of Škoda at, at the invitation of a particular church community, um, so um, so we found ourselves kind of living there. We were basing our our, our lives half between Thessaloniki. We were traveling quite a bit back da- back down to Thessaloniki, but sp- also spending extended periods of time uh, up in the north of Albania. Um, and in a sense, chapter four describes the outworking of that relationship with the church community that had kind of invited us to to input them in one sense. Because as the chapter explains, what essentially happened when we moved to uh, the north of Albania is is that um, it it became clear fairly soon that, that the church group that we were working with didn't really want the input that that we thought that they did from, from, from us. And they didn't want to kind of, um, uh, have the kind of, yeah, you know, this kind of relationship, this sort of intrusive kind of relationship in one sense I described in chapter three, um, you know, they, they, they definitely didn't, didn't, didn't want that. Um, and so, so chapter four is kind of like a bit of a, you know, we were left quite disorientated by by that because we'd kind of moved to the north of Albania with various expectations of working together um, with certain people and with this particular group, and 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 then to find actually that that door had closed. So that the the, um, the chapter is called the closed door, um, but it also gave me you know so this is in the heart of field work and in field work i was sort of expecting to explore this relationship and see how it all kind of panned out with this church group and that was going to be you know a major focus of my kind of research and of course that all kind of shut down um, but but the moment that moment did give me an interesting opportunity to explore it from a different kind of angle in the sense to to dive deeper into Looking at the life of our group and what our expectations were in terms of relationship with with people and with other groups outside of our our, our kind of smaller community, um, and to um, in a sense to explore how we go about those. So the ways in which that you know, because I essentially argue that the the nature of the faith that I'm describing is is, is charismatic and it's it's entered into in a completely light and kind of freely given kind of way um, you know that can com- you know that means that that what you know one cannot force oneself or one cannot force oneself you know one's one's orientation one's faith one's views on other people at all and if it, one gets any signal that that somebody is not open to you know even conversations about that that you know one should withdraw <laughs> in a sense and not and not force those things upon uh, upon others, um, and so I, what I talk about in chapter four is this kind of charismatic dilemma that is a kind of you know desire to share one's life with others and to share one's faith with others and to share you know. One's orientation and the kind of experiences that one has had with others. Um, and yet, to know that those very things can only be shared in certain contexts and contexts of, you know, kind of relationship and trust, and also where um, the other person that you're kind of inviting into that sort of journey together with you in terms of a kind of journey of faith in the kind of context where the other person is, um, is certainly open to that. And if they're not open to that, then, then, you know, this one should kind of withdraw one's attempts as, as, it it were. Um, so, so the charismatic dilemma essentially speaks to that, that kind of, uh, the dilemma of, um, you know, uh, of how one shares one's life with others. You know, if, if one has for oneself experienced something which is rich and enriching um, in terms of, you know, faith, relationship with God and ways of practicing community and, and those kind of things, um, how how you go about sharing that with others and the points at which you decide to withdraw that activity of of, of sharing in one sense. Um, And I think, you know, in a a sense, exploring that, that kind of charismatic dilemma, I kind of am speaking to, you know, much broader ways in which many people of faith, both Christian and non-Christian, you know, probably feel about their faith and their interaction with the wider world and how you go about that, Um, you know, and not to be um the kind of person who 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 forces one's one's way of life upon others you know um and yet at the same time having a way of life that one richly values and wants to share with others so so that's the dilemma i'm pointing towards yeah
1: in the conclusion you talk about where your book is contributing and one is where the whole Discussion on the ontological turn in anthropology, where you talk about the alterity, and then uh, second, uh, as you talk about the contribution in the phenomenological aspect of experiencing God, and then the third, you talk about the as someone who might have religious conviction and coming and uh, you know doing fieldwork among people, and also who might not have any religious conviction on all of those. So, so in these three aspects, how, how, how is this book contributing in that sense?
0: <laughs> well, you one always puts bold claims at the uh, <laughs> at the end of a book to justify its existence. I think, and that's part of that. But you know, I mean. Uh, in in one way the, the the question i suppose needs to be answered by by others as to how it's you know how it is contributing or how it does contribute um i i guess i i i put those as hopes that it will contribute to to those different debates um and certainly in in, in work since you know since the completion of the book uh, that I've been doing I have been um, in another article that, that I've had published for instance I'm trying to bring in a sort of phenomenological twist to to arguments within the ontological turn um, and so um, so I, I, I i'm kind of yeah I, I hope that it does contribute to that um, yes yeah, so in terms of those 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 other debates um yeah, it's it's. I suppose it's yet to, yet to be seen, really. I mean, um, you know, one hopes that with the publication of one's book, that it will get picked up within certain streams um, and you know responded to. And so it's, that's why it's nice to have a conversation like like this today, of course. Um, and I know that I. I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of interest in the book from people who, um, are, you know are simply interested in, uh, writing autoethnographically and writing about one's own experience, um, Mm -hmm. which the book seems to, to speak quite strongly to, to, to people about that. Um, I I think that, I think the journey of how, um, you know, somebody like myself who, um, you know, has a particular faith for, and for whom that faith is, is, is kind of living and active, how, how one takes oneself forward within, say, the wider anthropological community and how one enters into debates with that community, I think is an ongoing kind of question, some of which I think the book contributes towards. But I think that there need to be further sort of debates around that and for, there needs to be further work that's done um you know one of the things is is for instance like you know i have a kind of i guess a kind of almost ambivalent relationship with like the anthropology of christianity for instance um in the sense that um you know there uh, i, I I found it strange coming into back into anthropology that there was an anthropology of Christianity in a sense, which is, is kind of populated by experts in that field. And yet there aren't many people within that field who are themselves of active practicing kind of faith. Um, and so how one engages with that community is a, is, is a continued kind of challenge, I think, to, to me and to others, you know, with a similar orientation. Um, and I've certainly been working with the idea, which is rooted in some debates which are going on in the Association of Social Anthropologists at the moment in the UK, is you know, whether a better framing or better exploration is to s- explore the relationship between um, Christianity and anthropology rather than anthropology of Christianity, which seems almost this kind of you know, unbalanced kind of relationship. So, so I'm interested in exploring that that more how in a sense both anthropology can speak to various modes of Christianity but how also Christianity and you know Christianity kind of a a well-practiced Christianity can speak to anthropology as well and I'm not sure that that's been fully developed I mean there are you know there are of course entanglements and and debates going on between anthropology and theology but I, I, I guess I'm coming from a slightly different angle from that in terms of kind of, you know, phenomenological experience, how does that speak to, um, you know, to anthropology and to an anthropology of, of Christianity in one sense? So, yeah, that's kind of long-winded and roundabout way of, of, of answering your question, but I think it's an ongoing journey. <laughs>
1: Yeah, th- that's uh, that's really true. This is something which we, as anthropologists and um, people in the religious community, the theologians, will have to come and sit together and then you know uh, explore this aspect. And this is something which is uh, quite interesting in that sense. And you know, the, your book in that sense gives an aspect which uh, many people have m- might have missed or, you know, explores an aspect which many people have not explored. So I think at least that itself is a big contribution of a work in that sense. And I think that is something which for me personally also, I'll continue to wrestle with the concepts that you have given in the book and I'll continue to explore for me personally. I think uh, that itself is a very uh, big contribution in that sense. So is there any other new project that is coming up uh, that you're working on? And also, if people want to reach out to you regarding the book, how do people reach out to you? Yeah.
0: Okay, well, I mean, yeah, in terms of the latter question, if people want to reach out, that would be absolutely lovely. Um, so, yeah, I'm contacted contactable through my university address at the University of Sussex. So just look look me up, Jamie Barnes. Uh, you know, I work in a sociology department now, so Jamie Barnes Sociology, uh, University of Sussex, um, and and you'll be able to to get my email address through there. Um, and yeah, projects I'm working on. So a, a couple of different things. Um, I mean, I mean, continuing to explore the body and the senses, and you know, this the, the, the phenomenological kind of explorations of the body, the senses, um, particularly working with the ideas of Merleau Ponty and and that kind of stream of, of phenomenology. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and seeking in a way to kind of intervene in, in, in debates, I suppose, within the broader uh, yeah, study of Christianity within, within anthropology. Um, and then another project which I'm uh, very involved in at the moment is actually I'm, I'm, I'm also making a podcast. So, so that will be coming out quite soon. Yeah, which is uh, called the Ecological Sensibilities Project, and um, it's exploring the different ways that people think and feel about uh, the environment. So it's not explicitly related to, uh, you know, faith or, or whatever, but I do in the podcast which will have you know a number of different episodes but i explore with 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 people from lots of different backgrounds their kind of journeys and how they're how they're thinking and feeling about the environment and some of those conversations involve aspects which are you know, which involve uh, faith and spirituality as well so it's very interesting
1: yeah yeah quite really interesting and um thank you dr barnes for having this conversation with me at new books network yeah and you do take care and thank you very much yeah
0: Thank you very much, Tia.